Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Uncle Dad Talks. As always, I'm Uncle Dad and with me is the ever so beautiful, the ever so hatful, Mike Hampton. Mike, what's up? Hello, good morning and good afternoon. And good night maybe, huh? Depending when you listen to it. That's true. It could also be good night. Yeah. Yeah. Good morrow even, no? Yeah. Uh, Mike, today we have a very fun episode, as we always do. I think today's episode is also a pretty, I think it might be a little controversial, to be honest with you, because it involves a very controversial uh, character. Would you agree with that? Yeah, uh, I think there's a lot of controversy with the character that you're referring to. And we'll we'll reveal in one second, even though we always do these intros, but I know they know who it is because it's like, <laughs> you know, they click the link, right? <laughs> It is in the title of the episode, yes. Yes, but that's yeah. okay. We got to build up the suspense anyways. Yeah. Uh, but before we do that, we have to pay the bills as always. And really quickly, I just want to kind of say a good goodbye and thank you to a sponsor we've had since the very beginning. Mike, you are familiar with Soundstripe. Soundstripe has been with us since the day one. Uh, but we are going to kind of, we're growing and things change when you grow and we're going to make different calls and with that being said, uh, Soundstripe will no longer be our partner, but that's okay. What we're going to do is just kind of give one last shout out to them. Mike, you know the importance of music. You know the importance you need it for an album, for whatever it is you need to create. And of course, we haven't done this in a while. So Soundstripe is the best place to go for anything involving music. And, you know, you've said this in the past, making an album can be hard and having this access, I'm sure, is great. Hopefully you still stand by that. <laughs> I do. Yes. I stand. I'm standing right now. <laughs> He's standing right now. Indeed. Yes. Uh, so yes, um, as always go to soundstride.com. Uh, and then you can just go there, check out all the great music. This will be the last ad we'll play for him, but it's been an absolute pleasure, an absolute dream having all this music in the beginning. And yeah, Mike, I don't know if you have anything to say, but if you don't, that's okay. I would say thank you. Soundstripe. And yes, there is the winds of change. And it's fall now. And so, therefore, Soundstripe has fallen from our sponsors. Beautiful, beautiful. You. But you know who hasn't fallen is the one and only Raise Energy by Rep Sports. Uh, I'm drinking a Raise right now, as I usually do when we record this show. And uh, to be honest, it's, it's feeling good right now. I'm drinking the new uh, lemonade flavor. Let's, let me tell you, Mike, it's to die for strawberry lemonade Ooh, lemonade it's pretty damn good I'm like i'm not even just telling you like, it is so good and mike you know we'd love to save money here so you save money by using promo code all lowercase on the uncle dad talks to get yourself 25 percent off and of course some exclusions apply what do you think about that <laughs> about the exclusions <laughs> yes what do you think about that <laughs> I, don't, I don't like exclusions i want my coupon to work on whatever i want it to work on hey well you know what you know what does work on whatever you want is our next sponsor uh and i promise everybody this is different today uh we have a brand new sponsor uh this is pretty great mike you have tattoos you have an awesome bruce willis tattoo we've talked about on a previous episode. And if you haven't heard that episode, you don't know Bruce, go listen to it and listen to how much Mike is obsessed with Bruce Willis. Um, but as time, you know, you get old, older, I'm sorry. And uh, your tattoos begin to fade, correct? Yeah, especially when you run around in the sun all day. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, well, Mike, do I got something for you? <laughs> uh, this is a small mom and pop company called Lucky 13. Uh, they make a rejuvenating tattoo bomb for tattoos. Uh, a lot of our audience is tatted up from my understanding. You're tatted up. So I feel like this would be a great opportunity to kind of use, to kind of have them on the show and talk about their product. Um, so what's really great, Mike, about their uh, product is that it uses only natural and clean ingredients. So it's only using great, great fruit seed extract, avocado oil, shea butter, and all, uh, aloe vera leaf juice. That's it. And you'll notice a 50% increase of like rejuvenation when you use it after two weeks. So Mike, we have a package coming for you. Once that yeah. comes, you're going to use it and we're going to talk about it in two weeks to see the difference. Yeah. We'll do before and after photos and compare and contrast. Live. I love it. Live. I love it. Let's do that. Live. And the best part is, Mike, you can get any product, no exclusions, <laughs> for 25% off using promo code Uncle Dad Talks. So check them out. Support the show. We appreciate it as always. Anyways, Mike, so what's up, man? How's, uh, how's life? We haven't done, we've, we've been gone for two weeks. So what's up? Well, it's just, uh, you know, busy times and this uh, weird world that we're in. But uh, during that time, we did get to watch a very interesting movie together. Uh, not a movie, sir, a documentary. A documentary movie. <laughs> ah, smart. Uh, yes, you are right. Uh, that movie is called Feels Good, Man. And uh, <clears throat> that basically is the story behind a little character uh, I say little, but really he's massive because this guy's probably been, I would like to say, I think every human has probably seen him at least once. What do you think? I think that's accurate. Um, yeah, it, it was it, bigger than himself, bigger than, larger than his life ever was imagined to be. Oh, for sure. Seen. For yeah. sure, yeah. Uh, the character we're talking about is Pepe the Frog. Uh, I'm sure, again, if you don't know the name, uh, when we post this episode on the Instagram, you'll definitely see a picture of Pepe the Frog, but that is probably one of the biggest memes out there in the world. Um, but it, the great thing is, and what we're going to learn in our conversation, is that it wasn't intended to be a meme. It wasn't intended to be what it became. But damn, is it a great story. And Mike, that documentary, um, how long would you say it was? Like, like less than two hours? One hour? Thirty? It's all blur at this point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it is a blur indeed because it was so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's just say, you know, Uncle Mike over here took a had a good time. We'll say that. Yeah. Hey, it feels good, man. <laughs> it you know, until the next day. <laughs> uh, yeah. So feels good, man, was directed by Arthur, excuse me, Arthur Jones. Uh, Arthur Jones was a very talented young document documentarian. Uh, great. The way he makes this movie to me is it's always going and it's always like a nonstop pace. Right. And it's just like, what's going to happen next. And to be completely fair, I wasn't completely aware of the, the level of this character, like what it really became and just learning what you learn and how you continuously see how it just gets worse and worse and worse. It's, and, and I guess, and to be fair, in some people's eyes, it might not be worse. It might be going better for them, right? Depending on what side you're on, right? If it came a political statement without trying to be one, would you, am I right in saying that? Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely what happened. It, it kind of, um, you know, once you put, and I'll definitely talk to 
our guest about this, but once you put something of your art out there on the internet, it's it's pretty much free game. And this is a perfect example of someone creating something with a completely different intention than what it actually became. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And um, we'll dive into it more when we come back from the break, of course. Uh, but the only thing I want to say is I don't really know where you can watch it because I think you can only rent it like from Amazon or something. Is that, is that right? Well, let's ask somebody. We'll ask somebody in a little bit. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good call. Okay. Uh, we'll be right back with the man behind Pepe the Frog, Matt Fury. <laughs> hey, how's it going? My name is Tian Buku One. I'm a skateboarding, graffiti writing, bowling son of a Black Panther. And I'm Yula. <laughs> and we are the co-hosts of the Black Russian Podcast. Our podcast is a deep dive into relationships from monogamy, non-monogamy, open, poly, and whatever other labels that us wacky humans come up with. Let's go beyond the assumptions, beyond the stigmas, stereotypes, and most definitely beyond the judgment. We share our highs, lows, face plans, and triumphs of trying to love in ways that fit us individually while we continue our journey through life together. With topics like yuck and yums, poly trendy, how does it really feel, and tour life, tour wife, we discuss how to build and define relationships that are tailor-made for you. Let's talk about it. Let's be honest. All from a soulful perspective. Now, let's be clear. (laughs) We don't advocate any one relationship style over the other. We advocate any and all relationships that encourage truth, honesty, and the freedom to do it how you do it. Deconstruct decolonize and rebuild in your own way with a black russian podcast available wherever you get your podcasts all right mike we're back and we are with the legendary man matt fury matt fury what's up hey how's everybody doing out there in the uh, wide world of the internet and and otherwise hi and otherwise, what would otherwise be? Is that like the, the meta universe? Well, there's the metaverse. There's also the, the astral plane, you know, so maybe some folks are listening to this to go to sleep, uh, in which case uh, I'll try to speak softly and gently and, and maybe we could, we could all be whisked away on a cloud together. Oh, man. You, you know what's interesting is uh, your voice is very, very soothing. <laughs> well, thank you. I aim, I always aim to soothe. That's always my goal. <laughs> That's pretty. That's pretty. Uh, it's pretty interesting considering uh, what happened with your character. Yeah, but we'll dive into that later, I guess. Right? Uh, <laughs> it's all very interesting. Life is very interesting. Oh, totally, totally. Um, so, Mike, before we go on the tangent, is there anything you want to kind of throw in there? Yeah, I think Matt, you could do that. Uh, what is that? EMSR, ASMR. AS- yeah, where we could just listen to Matt giving uh, soft soothing lectures you know to to go to sleep to i i think we should look at that as your next project matt i know that's interesting that is a thing right you know i i think people that like maybe enjoy um drugs kind of enjoy this um this feeling of like a you know maybe a tingling sensation on the top of your head or or a sensation of of like the hairs raising on the back of your neck or, or maybe just like a a little wave rolling from from your forehead 
you know, down the top of your head and down your neck. And, you know, wow. it's interesting that like uh, little sounds and little clicks and stuff can't, uh, can't, did you hear that? Wait, hear what? Okay, sorry. Uh, I thought, uh, I, I, I think, I think <laughs> I a, ghost, a, a, a ghost just, a ghost just sat, sat on my head, but, uh, but you know what I mean? So like, like, like how, how these like kind of like, um, just these, these weird noises and clicks and, and a soft whisper or something can, can like make you kind of high. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, I think I agree. It's, I, um, kind of like not jump around too much, but <laughs> to, uh, I just, I watched your, um, your, your speech you did or your talk you did on, on the XOXO festival. Oh yeah. And the whole time I was just like, so relaxed. So thank you. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, just... yeah, that was a that was an interesting crowd. Like I was a little bit censored there too. Like I had some kind of more controversial art that I was going to show. I, you know, I did some weird art to kind of like uh, as kind of art therapy for my whole uh, kind of Pepe thing. And uh, they took a look at it and were like, "Oh, that might trigger some of our audience." I was in Portland, so like, you know, they're yeah. afraid of triggering people, and I I didn't want to trigger anybody, so I took it out. But. <laughs> So that's maybe maybe why I was so calm. I didn't want to hurt I, you know. I, every, everybody was so sensitive or something. So and, and then I'm I'm like a you know a white guy up there. You know why does anybody want to hear my point of view? Don't I? You, you know haven't I said and haven't I said enough? You, know? <laughs> you said it, you said too much. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Jeez. that's funny. Um, speaking of Pepe, so let's I guess dive into that. Um, where does uh yeah how does how does peppa Pe peppa how does pepe actually really quickly does anybody ever uh confuse peppa the frog with peppa the pig i don't think so no okay because because <laughs> i had mentioned it to a friend and they were like you mean the the pig the one that's on the, the nickelodeon oh, i was yeah. like or whatever it was i was like no not that one <laughs> yeah that's a thing no there's like a kind of a conspiracy theory that like um you know you saw in the movie I, you know i went up against um uh, alex jones's side and they were trying to say that like my frog was based on a like it's called like Pepe the Toad or something. It's like from some mm. children's show in like yeah. um, Argentina or something that was made in the 80s. And, you know, it was just kind of random that there's another frog out there named Pepe. So, so they were trying to say that I got my idea from some, you know, random children's show or, or whatever, which wasn't, wasn't true. But, but it, so I've gotten that. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So let's, uh, yeah. Where does, uh, where does Pepe the Frog begin? Well, you know, I don't know. It, it's it's just kind of, he's actually just one of many characters. I, I do a ton of characters, but for some reason, um, you know, I think frogs in, um, in in fables or fairy tales or something, they're, they're just very expressive. You know, you've got, um, you know, the frogs in Wind in the Willows, you got um, the, the drunk frog from Disney's Wild Toad or whatever, and oh, yeah. you've got like... Um, you know, frog and toad are friends and, uh, you know, they're, they're just great. They're great for cartoons because they're all eyes and mouth and, and they just emote, um, you know, you can recognize a cartoon frog's emotion a mile away. So I think it just really lends itself to cartooning in, in a nice way because uh, it's just very expressive. It's, it's almost like, um, you know, like a cartoon smiley face or something. So, you know, whether that was conscious or not, when, when I made it, you know, mine, you know, my version, my cartoon frog is just comes from a long line of other cartoon frogs. And, um, 
you know, I think the character design of Pepe specifically just kind of came from drawing cartoon frogs a lot as a kid and stuff, but also um, I was reading a lot of um, Jim Woodring uh, at the time, and Jim Woodring has a thing for frogs, and if you don't know him, check him out. He's like a, a really amazing um, comic artist that does word, wordless kind of surrealistic um, graphic novels um, with fanographics. Um, and I was also a, a big fan of Paper Red at the time, and they, they had a character, uh, Ben Jones had a character named Horace, and he was kind of all eyes and lips too, so it was, it was almost kind of a riff on that, and um, I don't know, and, and I just like drawing like anthropomorphic animals and stuff just for fun. Yeah, um, <clears throat> with Pepper the Frog, his first appearance is in Boys Club, correct? Well, actually, his first appearance was in a it was in a little zine I did on Microsoft Paint called Playtime, which you know I maybe made a oh. hundred copies of it or something. But uh, but uh, that was his first appearance, and it was just him and Brett, and then uh, okay. and, and then it went on to Boys Club. Um, that that was definitely the, the first time people heard of it. Now, the first appearance, can you find that still? <laughs> Well, I have what copy, yeah, like on my bookshelf or something, but I don't, yeah, I don't think, maybe, yeah. I feel like that should be like the next big book, you know, get it graded, get it slabbed, and, you know, keep it collector item forever. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't or know, it, could, it's uh, pretty bad. <laughs> you could definitely do a bootleg of your own book. I think I've done that before with some of my old comics. <laughs> to unstaple it and take it to, to Kinko's or whatever, and then just you know, make some more copies and put them up on eBay. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, bootleg myself. Yeah, yeah now you're talking. <laughs> yeah. Mike's, Mike's, the, Mike's the idea, man. man he, gets those, <laughs> he gets those ideas to make some money, man. I love it. I like that. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so when when you uh, create Peppa the Frog and then, you know, he put, he put him in Boys Club, did you ever foresee that he would just become what he became? Uh, yeah, I did actually. I knew exactly the whole trajectory of his story. Like, uh, I was really happy when it, you know, became this like really controversial symbol because, you know, I thought it just brought some other things to, to light, uh, like, like kind of, you know, the, you know, the dark specter of, uh, you know, racism and, you know, that kind of stuff. It, you know, it's still alive and well uh on the internet and in people's collective consciousness and stuff so it became you know a vessel for that which you know it was hard for me to deal with but also it gave me a platform to be able to talk about this stuff and to um to just put my own you know put my own vibe out there and uh you know because we all deal with this stuff in, in different ways and you know i think you saw in the movie um, you know, if, if I'm criticized, it's because of, you know, maybe I was kind of naive or too, you know, didn't really deal with it maybe in the way people thought I should, but, but, but really how, how the fuck do you predict this kind of shit? You, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to kind of be yourself and, and, um, you know, speak to what you believe is truth and what's right. And then if people don't believe you, they can kiss your ass, you know? <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, so so you know, just for the listeners that don't know the movie or haven't looked it up, the movie "Feels Good Man" is basically the story of how your character was kind of basically taken from you and used by certain groups with certain kind of uh, agenda, agenda, or just like certain 
feelings or I'm, I'm, the, the right word is slipping my mind, but basically your character was taken by people who have nothing to do with you and ran with it. And, and I imagine for you, that feeling of your character just kind of being taken and slipped like there's like this slipping away feeling, right? Like, like almost like someone stole your, your pet puppy or your pet frog in a way. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's interesting is, is, you know, it, Pepe kind of went on for years and evolved online and it kind of came to a crescendo during the 2016 election. But before that, Pepe was just like, you know, it was all over the internet and I was pretty uh, hands off with the whole thing and and kind of amused by the whole thing. And I think what happened was it became kind of like, uh, you know, it became too popular on 4chan or whatever and these these guys that are just kind of like hyper online people just wanted wanted pepe for themselves because it it became so popular that like celebrities were tweeting it or you know as you saw in the movie or whatever or like um or uh you know girls were using it and stuff so you see that guy in the movie and he's just like we wanted to take it back so they're just they're turning it into the, the most uh, you know, using all these swastikas and stuff like that in order to to turn people off from using it. Um, and so I understood that when that was happening and I was just, and then I tried to downplay it in the media because then like, you know, Trump starts sharing it or whatever, or, it, or the, the media takes it and starts to run with it or Hillary Clinton calls it a, uh, you know, a hate symbol and all, all this stuff. So, so it's like, um, it just kind of got out of control, but, but I'm, you know, I feel like I'm a pretty, I'm a free thinking person and, and I could kind of understand what was going on. But the hardest part for me was just dealing with, um, uh, you know, th- the collective hearts and minds of just normal people thinking that it was this thing that it was not. Um, so, and I, and I think we're on the other side of it now, at least, at least I'm on the other side of it, but, but that was, that was a challenge. Yeah, when 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 Donald Trump's like when John, uh, when Donald Trump tweets it, right? Obviously, I, I would assume the feeling isn't great. I mean, at least for me, it wouldn't be. What? But what is that? What does that fully encompass? Like, what is that feeling? Well, I mean, at first when I saw it, my feeling was like, oh, this is like somebody. You know, it might have even been that guy in that movie. His name's like Matt Brainerd or something that was like working. Uh, for the trump administration to try to like you know memes are a are almost like a way to advertise or a way to like um grip the public's uh you know attention and stuff so so you know cartoons are just shorthand and and they they work really well to to get ideas and information out there um you know during world war ii i think you know the government took over walt disney or whatever and or warner brothers and they're like having all these like established cartoon studios make like war propaganda and stuff to get um everybody on board with that so i think it's it's just a way of kind of taking over the cartoon so so i even when like quote trump tweeted or whatever i don't even think it was him doing it somebody whoever was managing his twitter did that as a nod to their kind of weird trolly fan base or something and then that just and then they just kind of took over and you know the way that social media is um operates uh, it was able to kind of proliferate um because of all of the negativity and all the fear and, and all the weirdness behind it so i don't know 
did you did you feel like this uh immediate kind of response to want to get out ahead of it and say hey no this is my character and and i i don't stand for any of what it's being used for i'm actually very much the opposite like did you feel that need or want yeah you know i did do that um but i also i you know for better or worse i i, I felt like i needed to downplay it because it was getting like a, a little bit out of control and so you know in retrospect maybe I, I should have taken sides more or something but you know i could i i um I didn't want to feed into the, I didn't want to feed into it as I, you know, I didn't want to give it the attention, you know, I didn't want to, to, to do that. So I don't know. That was just, that's just how I dealt with it, but I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but, but I, but I also think, yeah, if you don't stand up for what you believe in, you know, you're part of the problem too. So, so you do have to, to fight against this stuff. Um, but it doesn't have to be a big fight. It could be, you can do it with compassion and with a little bit of warmness in your heart towards individuals that might not have the, um, the capacity, to the, the, the emotional intelligence to be able to um, uh, be a part of society. You know, because I think a lot of these people that, are, that relate to Pepe and stuff, like they, they see themselves as outcasts. They see Trump as like this wild card that kind of spoke to them and stuff. And, you know, they're, they're led astray too. So I, I don't want to make everybody the, I, I, I think there's so much divisiveness in, in our culture. There, there's, there's the duality of right and wrong, left and right, good and bad and all this stuff. And I think that there's a way to kind of um, try to try to bridge gaps and dig tunnels rather than build walls and make enemies. Yeah, <clears throat> I think it's, um, I like how you said that right now with, about the left and the right. I feel like everybody everybody feels like their opinion is right, right? I think that's kind of where, where we live at now. It's like, hey, you know, this is how I feel what Pepe means. That's what I feel what Pepe means. But I think in some respects, that is kind of the beauty of Pepe the Frog is that he can mean whatever whatever, the, whatever you want him to mean, mean. And I think that's kind of a hard thing to find nowadays. And whether or not it's positive or not, I think it's really up to whoever sees it. I, I, I find it fascinating that you know, this character just became such a, um, kind of like an open, an open, like a blank canvas for anybody to kind of make it what they want. I, I, I don't know. I, I just find that really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's fascinating too. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> yeah. And it is, it is also, you know, you, you spoke on how everything is so divided these days and, and it's just, it just feels like it's more of that than I've ever really experienced it. And um, in, in such a profound way that, um, you know, it's almost like uh, you, there's the middle ground is gone. And I think the only way to, to kind of bring that back or, or create some healing is with some openness and understanding. And, and just because, you know, our view, we think is the more loving or caring view, it, you know, it's, it's still just our view. And I don't know, you know, you put your character out there and it's just, it's kind of free for the taking. I mean, I've definitely known other artists, including myself, who've, who've put work on, on the internet, either for sale or just to post it. And then all of a sudden someone else has taken a screenshot of it and use it as their own thing. And maybe they're making money off of it. And it's just, it's totally out. 
totally out of your hand at that point. But, you know, before, before he was, Pepe became the symbol for the hate, he was just a, a meme that didn't really have anything tied to it, like to have an emotion tied to it, right? It was just people were using it because it was a fun image, you think? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. You know, I can't really speak to how it was memed and everything. You know, I was just a, a spectator to it, just like you were. But yeah. but but you're right. I mean, I, I've heard somebody say that like Pepe is a is a mirror or something. So it just kind of reflects the person using him. So so I mean, he can be used in all, all kinds of different ways. And I still don't buy that he's like a symbol of the alt right or any of that stuff. I never bought that, and I still don't buy it. You know. Do you think, um, or I should say you think, has there ever been an opportunity to make Pepe the Frog into like a cartoon of any sort? Well, yeah, I mean, there's been talk about it and stuff, but honestly, cartoons, it kind of suck to make. Um, there's a, it's, it's a lot of hard work. It's very much a clear. Some people can do it. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm more of, you know, uh, kind of just like to be left alone and just like to sit here and draw do comic I, you know i think comics and art and illustration and stuff like that is I, at the end of the day i'm kind of an individual and, and you know i don't work as well on a team and you really have to be like a team guy to be a cartoon guy and you got to get everybody on the same page and get everybody you know blah 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 it's, there's a lot of work and then you know it's the networks that get all the reap all the benefits from it like you could be the best artist in the world and come up with the coolest cartoon but you know you're you're losing 80 percent of your profits because it's all just going to this um, machine of uh, the entertainment industry that's you know whatever kind of that kind of sucks mm -hmm. did you um you know back when you were making your zines uh were you doing comic conventions like would you sell at you know like some of the like ape convention were you out in, in the bay area at that time yeah yeah i went to i went to ape um yeah that's where i debuted boys club it, when it was just a zine that i made at you know kinko's or office depot or wherever it was i would go to that whatever it was it was up on the top of potrero hill there was like a there was like a like an office depot there or something that that's where i made all my my zines and uh, hey, one time, like Levi's sponsored like a zine workshop or somewhere like right in the middle of, of the mission. And like you could just go in there and use a color copier for free. And I was in there so much. They were like trying to they're trying to be ban me from there. But it was just like it was like a free resource. And I was just in there every day trying to just milk all this all these free color copies and stuff. So that was cool. But it was like, yeah, the corporate kind of Levi's thing just was trying to like had this cool like diy space that they i don't know it was weird <laughs> <laughs> that is weird that levi's would have that right like i don't think they really did like any publication stuff right i i think there it was just like to show that it was like their way of giving back to the to the art community <laughs> or something yeah. I, don't, I don't know they just sponsored a, a you know you could make silk screens there you could do they had different Xerox machines and little workshops and stuff. It was just like this pop-up shop where you just walk in off the street and like make things. So, so it was cool. And, you know, I lived right around the corner from it. So I was just in there trying <laughs> to milk it like farmer Joe every day. <laughs> I mean, listen, the color copies there, what they were a dollar, at least a dollar a copy. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I remember, uh, I wish I had had access to such a workshop. I, when I was doing my, 
first runs of comics before a convention i had a friend who worked at a kinko's like an hour away from where i lived and so we'd go there in the middle of the night and <laughs> and make copies of our comics you know overnight on his overnight shift basically just to save save money because you know it's you're broke artist yeah <laughs> you know, but um so when when you were when you were at ape did you like how did you get hooked in from from going from a zine to then getting your comic to getting it published well i think yeah it was discovered at ape uh, by uh, my friend Tim Goodyear up in um, Portland, Oregon, and he—I think he still runs a uh, a small press uh, thing um, called Teenage Dinosaur. So uh, you know, at first I was just making zines, and then Teenage Dinosaur saw it and wanted to uh, publish it. So then they published the Boys Club Number One, and then from there, uh, Alvin Buenaventura from Buenaventura Press in uh, Oakland, uh, he discovered it. And then he uh, swooped me up from from Tim, and and then I worked with him for the following two issues. And then he went bankrupt. And then he started a new small press called Pigeon Press, and I did did the fourth uh, issue through there. And um, yeah, so it was just it, it's always been just very small press kind of thing. But but I did Ape. I did we did a, a Comic Con. I've done. Um, the one in Bethesda, Maryland, like the Small Press Expo. I, I've done uh, one in um, the Toronto, the TCAF one. I've, I've even done one in wow. Columbus, Ohio. So um, I, I've, yes, yeah, slang comics behind the <laughs> table for a long time. I'm old now, so I've done it enough. Do you, uh, do you ever miss that con scene? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's fun, uh, especially, well, I really, I feel like I've always been on the periphery of whatever scene I, I was trying to become a part of. And I felt like the first time I, I went to Ape back in like, I don't know, 2003 or 2000, whatever it was, I was like, wow, that I like really felt like I, I found my my place or I found like a place that I could really um, vibe with. And it, it was just, you know, it, all of these like-minded people under one roof. And, uh, it was a lot of fun, uh, just interacting, trading and, and meeting all these people that were just, you know, you're not going to get rich making a zine. It's just basically a bunch of insane people all under one roof, like making weird stuff just for the sake of doing it, which was like really cool. Yeah. I, I remember Ape, um, doing Ape for the first time. And I, I had a comic book. This was in like, I don't know, 98. And uh, it was my, my comic was called Gunja Rabbit. And it was uh, it was a rabbit who had uh, weed leaves instead of ears, like regular rabbit ears. <laughs> and totally felt at home selling that at a, at, you know, when I'm like 18, it just, I could throw the pitch out to someone walking in front of the table and it felt totally fine. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then you know, doing that at another convention like Comic-Con, you know, you, you can still get that, but it's the, the freedom to do whatever you wanted to do with an Ape Alternative Press Expo was just unlike any other con. And it's a shame that it it's not around anymore because it was such a cool place to meet such cool people and, and see a lot of different things. Oh, yeah. Is it is it is it over now? Yeah, you know, Comic-Con bought it and then ran it for a few years. And then I think they that the original people, I think it was slave labor graphics. Oh yeah. 
was the they I think they took it back and then I don't think it made it. And now I'm, now too much think, too much coffee man runs it, I think. Is that right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was just a guy. I would always I would I would always see too much coffee man there. He like was dressed up like like a cup of coffee and, and he was really um I kind of gung ho about slinging his, his comics, which I appreciated. He uh, he, he was uh, very excited, yeah. Yes. Do do you remember him? Oh yeah. 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 I I uh I do absolutely yeah. He um he would come he would come to my table and be very excited about yeah. Gunja Rabbit and you know, you and that was the cool thing about about that scene too is you kind of just support each other. Yeah, you trade, or you're like, you know, like we're all doing the same weird thing in our own weird way, and yeah, it's just it was such a community feeling. Yeah, yeah, you're not no nobody's competing with one another. Everyone's just like kind of excited to, you know, I was always just like always excited to see what was happening, and then I would be inspired by by stuff I would discover. Then I'd just come home with all my my big pile and just um, you know, I still have all my zines on my my bookshelf here um it's just fun because there's no gatekeepers you just make whatever you want you know i, I was actually just about to say that yeah <laughs> um yeah it's uh it's interesting with uh the con scene i think even in general right like what's, what's what was the last con you went to recently in any recent uh i went to one and uh, i was invited by nick gazen to do a uh it was like a la comics and graphics fest or something i think it, it was formerly like the stan lee convention or something but but yes but, yeah yeah but he had like a kind of a an indie section there that i was a part of that and that was a lot of fun i met a lot of cool people and um you know it, that was the last hurrah before uh and and then i was gonna do actually a, a convention with skinner that got canceled because of covid what was it, it was like the creature bazaar um, uh, mm, and that was going to be fun. a cool one because it was all like kind of creature artists or it was more monster and kind of toy oriented than, than comic oh, oriented so uh, and that 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 was going to be a cool one I think Johnny Ryan was a part of it and maybe even Neckface and, and some other people but uh, but then that got canned yeah um, on the subject of creatures and stuff you know I feel like um, I, I love looking at the artwork of um, of your your of all your books that you do because it's like they're so they're so unique looking like and and i hope you don't mind me asking you this but like in, in the world of, of your character designs they have a very psychedelic look to them in some of them yeah like, is there do you ever partake in that while making uh these characters i mean a little bit i, th I think it's kind of a challenge like you know if you're you, if you take mushrooms and try to draw you know um but 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 what I mean, the challenge is to just kind of maybe remember these experiences and, and then they can in, inform your artwork and stuff. Cause it kind of, I don't know, it's just like you get like a, you get the keys to the city or something. And then it's, it's, yeah. it's just, it's just a cool way for me to kind of uh, glean some information because, uh, you know, I think with, with psychedelics are interesting because it's just, um, it's just such an easy way to just, really quickly feel like uh if, if you're if you're stuck in some kind of loop or some kind of pattern of thoughts or maybe you're a little bit depressed or something you just get catapulted out of that you instantly feel uh, uh warm and or at least i do and a lot of some people that i've talked to you know you feel loving you feel like an interconnectedness you feel like you feel all this all this like all these good vibes and stuff and then then you see that 
all that stuff is always there. Like the the plants are actually that brightly colored and they're growing and they're they're smiling at you. This the the flowers are blooming and the birds are singing and, and the 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 air is filling your lungs and and the sun is shining and all this. It's what kind of just like gets you out of whatever dumb pattern of thought you're in. And then you're just like, oh, actually I'm a part of something that's bigger than whatever bullshit is on the internet, you know? Yeah, that's that's very well said. You know, I, I feel like my experience is with psychedelics kind of when you were explaining stepping outside and, and being in nature and, and noticing the plants and, and just that kind of can stay with you, I think. Mm-hmm. After, you know, after the, the experience can stay with you for for forever, really, if, you, if once you kind of open yourself up to it mm-hmm. and and um and also like understanding yourself more and so you know some of the as i have your book here um you know i look at a lot of the monster characters and it looks like a a lot of them are are kind of expressing an emotion that you're probably feeling i would assume right or or like uh, yeah you know like what what book are you referring to right now mike the 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 mind viscity mind mind viscosity Mind viscosity. Right? Mind viscosity. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. What did you say? <laughs> but like, uh, you know, you've got these these kind of like bat-looking creatures without wings and like kind of eating, eating Pepe-looking like characters. Yeah. You know, like taking their heads off and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, for me, yeah, for me, like, like like the pet like the little frog characters like the frog kind of was just like an everyman a shorthand for kind of like an everyman like like a frog everybody can kind of see themselves in a frog because frogs are kind of neutral and they're also like they come from the water and they're they're comfortable in water and on the land and they can kind of and they're just kind of chill nobody's really super scared of frogs i don't think but then, you know, I've got this monster that's always eating it. And the, the monster is almost just kind of, that's a part of us too. And so I kind of use these characters as kind of like shorthand for, you know, maybe to represent different forces that, you know, maybe it's better to make characters about them for, for me to, than to talk about them. I don't know. And, and then they just kind of like grow and live on their own lives, you know in my head i don't know it's just fun yeah it's just like being a kid or something sitting there and drawing like weird monsters and stuff it's just there's something fun about that you mentioned art therapy earlier and do you take you know drawing as kind of a therapy process for yourself yeah definitely yeah 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 yeah. I, i i do because I would I would look at some of this and especially based off of what you said, you know, like the 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 frog is a mirror for for us, the 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 monster that's eating the frog. Maybe that could be like the uh, insecurity that you have, right? That you feel inside, and but it feels like something that's totally eating you, mm-hmm. and that's just me interpreting what I'm looking at when I'm looking at your art, yeah, you know, and, and trying to say, oh, this is this is what this feeling feels like. And I'm the frog. Yeah. In the picture. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's smart. Ever... Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. That's uh, that's pretty beautiful, man. <laughs> well, I mean, I think like, I don't know if you've ever thought about doing um, art therapy, kind of leading an art therapy workshop. I just uh, 
I don't know, just kind of analyzing what, what you, how you explain that and what I see in your book. I think, you know, if you ever felt the call to that, you'd probably be, I, you'd probably, you'd probably be very good at that. So. <laughs> Mike would sign up for sure. I would sign up. <laughs> I want you to do it so that I can, so sign, I can up. sign up. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I got a buddy, a buddy in San Francisco, actually my buddy, Bregan Carroll, and he does art therapy and, um, you know, he works with, um, you know, troubled uh, teenagers and, and whatnot. And uh, he's very patient and, and he's very good. And he actually, he asked me to um, to host a little thing and, and then, I don't know, just kind of fizzled out, but it's definitely been uh, something that I've, I've wanted to explore or, you know, take whatever insights that I have into, you know, drawing or life or whatever, and, and maybe help some teenagers that, you know, don't have the best, resources or um you know home life yeah um it, it's it's such a <clears throat> i'm just taking it all in sorry if i seem like i'm taken back by it but <laughs> it's just the uh, i think art therapy kind of I've, I've always wanted to give that a try too and when we talk about it like right now and stuff it's, it makes makes me kind of think about it in a bigger picture so uh thank you for talking about that right now um what i wanted to ask you was on your book the night writers um i, I I see that, and maybe this is just me overlooking at it, but when I when I look at it, it remind, the, the way it looks, is there a lot of inspiration or any inspiration from um, uh, Where the Wild Things Are at all? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I kind of even look the shape of Where the Wild Things Are. Like, I like that the format. And um, yeah. yeah, one thing I don't think it, you know, Where the Wild Things Are, you know, that's just such a, a masterpiece. And I love the, um, yeah, all the, it's just a perfect balance of kind of just um, mark making and, and kind of looseness, mm -hmm. but also kind of like this foundation of, of, of just really skillful craftsmanship, but also kind of childlike wonder. And I think the lighting yeah. in that book is really amazing. Like when you have all the monsters kind of dancing and, and that two page spread and, and the moon is kind of um, the, the spotlight for it. So I, I just like how, how that, that book kind of operates with its own kind of logic, like its own, like it makes sense um, uh, visually, like how the light plays on the trees and on the water and on yeah. the boat and on the creatures and, and how the, the fur and the, the beaks and the feathers and all that stuff looks. It's, it's definitely a huge inspiration. And, and so kind of, yeah, my, I was definitely looking at that, looking at other things and just wanted my book to have its own kind of logic like, like that. And, you know, it, I want to do another kid's book and, and I do want to, um, you know, maybe try to master the some more. It it's really you know I I'm more comfortable drawing like just like characters, but to immerse a character in an environment and have that all, that's a a, a totally different set of skills, and that's that's a real challenge to, to create. You know, it's it's easier to create like to draw a dumbass like monster head or something, but actually to draw that monster in an environment with lighting and 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 then actually having something to say about you know, your perspective or whatever. It's, it's all a challenge, but it's all fun. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think the Night Raiders, it's such a beautiful looking book. Like I just, um, I do hold it up there personally, like with the way it looks like where the wild things in that same feeling that I get when I look at it. So, I mean, I think truthfully, you know, no matter your age, you can appreciate this kind of stuff. And I think when I, when I look at the Night Riders, it just, it, it always attracts me in a, 
like it really hits my heart every time I look at it. That makes any sense. <laughs> That's cool. Well, you're in luck because they're actually the, they're going to reprint it. Uh, we're coming up on the 10 year anniversary of it. So, um, so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to have some more copies available soon. I think it's been out of print for a while because we actually, Brian McMullen had to, had to find the, copies of it on on an old cdr in like his attic or something like that because wow. they lost <laughs> the, the original the original scans of it or whatever so it was a real kind of where's waldo experience just finding the dummy so um yeah i think it should be out next year sometime oh that's awesome that's so awesome yeah i'll definitely have to pick that up uh, i think it's um i think one thing i want to last thing i want to add to the night riders is one of the things that really gets me with all the art in that book is the eyes your eyes are so I don't know how to describe it, but they, they almost like put me in a trance when I look at it. Like it's such, I don't know, man, that your, your eyes are masterpiece works in my opinion. Oh, that's cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Eyes are the yeah, window sure, yeah. to the soul, huh? <laughs> yeah, totally. And it, honestly, like, yeah, it feels that way when I, when I, when there's something about those characters that just like, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't mean to get all like worked up about it. <laughs> well, that, you need, if you need a moment, you can, you know, yeah, I need, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's have some art therapy right now, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike, go ahead. I need a yeah. second. Go ahead, Mike. Well, no, but it, but it is true. It, you know, the eyes. You know, obviously, yes, they are the window to the soul, and um, so much can be told from the emotion. Looking at a character's eyes, even when you think about Batman, who doesn't even have eyeballs mm -hmm. in in the eyes, like there's so much in in just the slight change in in the line work of an eye, and yeah. you know, and Matt, your coloring, you've got you know these really warm, kind of pastel, soft, but also bright shading. Like you do a really amazing job, and and. Yeah, I'll toot your horn as well. But that's, uh, that's, that's why we had you on the show, so we can toot your horn. Yeah, we well, just wanted to gush. Well, I appreciate that. One of the, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say I really love shading. There's something really like kind of like I don't know, like a challenge in life is to just be satisfied with where you are and I think drawing for me is like my way to catch a wave or to be satisfied or kind of to be lost or whatever you know it's, it's that feeling that maybe joggers get when they when they hit a beat and they they can they, they're in rhythm with their, their heart and they're just they're not thinking about anything and they're kind of at one or whatever I I can get to that place but through shading so I, I just like really love sitting there and like trying to make it uh, you know, to just sit there and shade and, and draw and, and color, you know, I'm like a damn kid. I just like to sit around and color all day. And I have a six-year-old and, and, and like, it's a dream come true. Cause I can just sit around and draw with her all day. And the older she gets, the more, um, disciplined or, or the more attention she, she has. And then it's just, it's just going to get better and better. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the shading and, and do you, what, what are you primarily used for when you're, when you're coloring? Is this so is it coloring pencils or is it watercolor? Yeah. Like what do you uh, Yeah, it's a mix of like um, watercolor and uh, Prismacolor markers and Prismacolor pencils and uh, also Micron. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll sketch it out first and then I'll, I'll ink it in with like a Micron pen, different colors of that. And then, you know, I'll erase it. And that's really satisfying to like, you know, just have that ink drawing ready to color. And then I just get to hang out and and then I, you know, I'll do like a kind of an underpainting with markers or, or watercolor or something and fill it all in. And then I'll kind of bring out the shading and stuff with, with pencils. And I don't know. It's just fun. Yeah. Beautiful. 
you know, one of your one of my favorite pieces in your in your book is, and I think I mentioned this to you when I saw you at the before the film, was uh, you have this these kind of uh, characters doing yoga poses, and what's coming out of like their uh, heart chakra or whatever is like this really kind of gooey uh, monster, like sludge monster, <laughs> and. You know, like totally, I, when I saw that, I totally related to it as, oh, I know exactly what that feels like when you're in a certain pose and you feel that energy moving out of you through it and you got to stick through it. And you did such a great job of representing that um, <laughs> in, in your book. So, yeah. Oh, thanks. Well, that, one, that one's yeah. actually called primary care because the three characters in that are all primary colors. So. Um... And then, uh, you know, it's also, it's, it's a state, you know, it, there's a few layers there because you got primary care because they're taking care of themselves. They're doing their yoga, they're exercising their demons, but also it's like, kind of like, uh, there's a lot of talk about like healthcare. You're, who's your primary care provider? And actually you can be your primary care provider. You don't have to depend on some institutional thing unless you, you know, unless you're diseased or, you know, or whatever, but. But, um, but I don't know, I like this idea of, um, you know, using techniques like yoga or mindfulness or, or eating healthy or exercising or just being nice to, to like take care of yourself and then take care of your friends and family and stuff. So, so really it's up to us, you know. I love it. I love, I love that little PSA in there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But I mean, it's super true. It's like, what is that saying now? It's like health as wealth, right? Yeah. Like, totally. But yeah, um, you can be like the richest motherfucker in the world, but if you're unhealthy, then it doesn't even matter. Like money doesn't matter. Like you got to have a, have a healthy mind, body, spirit, community, friends, family, all that stuff. I think it's awesome that you said community. That's a huge part of like who I am too. So great. I, I think it's incredible. You mentioned that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what I wanted to ask is, uh, so yeah, we kind of like went past it real fast, but uh, with, with the movie Feels Good Man, how does that become productive in production? Like, do you, do you kind of seek out uh, Arthur to make that happen? Uh, Arthur's the director of the film for those who don't know, or does he kind of reach out to you and say, Hey, you know, I have an idea. Like, how does that all come to fruition? Well, well, Arthur and I were friends. We met through my friend, Carrie, uh, who was based in the Bay area when we met and she did a little short film on me um, for accelerator magazine. And we just made some goofy kind of Wee's playhouse film very little short thing and anyway so so I was living in LA and they had like kind of an aging hipster hike gang called the seeing trails hike gang and I met a lot of cool people through that and Arthur was one of them and we just kind of hit it off um we were we were hiking to Sespe hot springs and and he was familiar uh with boys club and uh, he's also an, an illustrator and an animator and so we just hit it off and then uh, you know we were just talking about maybe brainstorming ideas and hanging out and we, we were actually trying to like pitch around like an idea for a pepe show we, we like met with the dude who did uh, uh, uh rick and morty and stuff and wow. and we met with all these people and we met some dude from vice and stuff and then I, I, I then i was just like my heart just wasn't in it because there was just so much toxic shit kind of wrapped up with the pepe thing that i was like dude i just don't my heart's not in it i pepe is just one thing that i you know that i'm that I did, but I, I have all these other ideas and I don't really want to do it. <laughs> and he's like, well, can I make a movie about 
this because this situation is totally nuts. And then, uh, you know, I talked with my partner, Ayana, and she was like, well, we probably should because, you know, because at least we're like relatively young. And if they're going to tell the story about it, we'd rather do it now than when we're like 80 and I'm like dying <laughs> behind the camera and stuff. So, so that, that was really, it was a timing thing, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you want to look good on camera. I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't want to be yeah some corpse like I remember when Pepe got taken. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit at that point. <laughs> I was still in my thirties, I think. When they, like uh, actually the there was a quick scene in the film where we're like jumping in, we're like at a river at the end of it, and uh, that was my fortieth birthday. So you're in your forties. Wow, I did not think that. <laughs> yeah, I'm forty two, gentlemen. Oh, it ring, happens. ring. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I saw, uh, you and I are born in the same year, Matt. I saw that. Oh, right. Yeah, you, I think uh, yeah. I think you mentioned that the other day, right? 79. Ninth, ninth, probably. Yeah, you guys yes. are soul brothers. I love it. Yeah. You guys both look amazing. Like, seriously, I'm not just saying that. I, I always give Mike a hard time on the show, but in all truth, in all, like, just truth, it's all right, all Mike. Right. Mike's, uh, Mike looks good for his age, and so do you. So there you go. Let's let's all let's all just love each other, man. That's all we gotta do. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all that primary care. That's I mean, all that. Yeah, for sure. That's right. We're chill motherfuckers. <laughs> that's right. Feels good, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. Feels good, man. It's a lifestyle. Dude, totally, so, totally, totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so Matt, you mentioned like you know when when the real quick when the movie was or the show something to do with pepe as a as a movie or a show was being talked about and you're like no that's one thing i do i i actually draw a whole bunch of stuff is that is that frustrating for you to kind of that you're the pepe guy so that's unless it's that people don't want to see anything else is there any of that for you no, no, I mean a little bit, but uh, just when it comes to like what I want to spend my time doing, but but otherwise Pepe kind of is has been really awesome for me, and um, you know it's been kind of a gateway drug to to my other artwork and stuff. So, you know, even the film on some level will hopefully lead people to my kids' book or to my website or something like that. So you know it kind of acts as kind of to be kind of you know a little enterprising about it, but it does on some level act as maybe an ad for or my art or something so so I, I kind of I try to embrace it and and I'm also proud of it even though it, it was controversial it it's led me to where I am today and uh, it's it's led me down some really interesting uh paths so I'm like um you know I'm just I I got depressed and stuff about it but but I'm on the other side of that and um I'm just kind of like excited about the possibilities in the future now and, and that's all thanks to pepe and it's how it became what it is so it's all good <laughs> right okay, uh, so um so the movie comes and then and you know you obviously you tell the story of of how the character is kind of taken but you also it also goes into the nft um world and, and now pepe is is part of that so um how has the nft world been treating you well what's interesting about that is like that might be that was maybe a lot of people's introduction to that world that that was before it was even called nfts when, when that movie came out it was just called rare pepes or whatever so 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 what's interesting about pepe is it was kind of the foundation for the nft world as we know it today and you know that world has been kind of um 
I think sped up a lot because of the pandemic and because of, you know, every, it, uh, it's very much this hive mind experience. But, but what's cool about, about that world is it, you know, a lot of these people from, from that world really strongly believe that it's like, um, it is kind of like the future of how, you, you know, if you look at like something like the music industry, you can have a million plays on Spotify, but you know the artist isn't getting that much money. But if you um, if you can somehow uh, use blockchain technology to link the artist and the collector, the consumer, or whatever, there's just so many more possibilities for artists. So, so the most interesting thing, I think, for me with this technology is how it benefits artists. You know. Yeah, and as you know, as an artist, like if you're doing an illustration job or something, you get paid a hundred bucks and they make you draw it about a thousand times, or you can just draw whatever the fuck you want. And if you strike it, if you can play your cards right with it, um, you can make a shit ton of money <laughs> doing it. Mm -hmm. So, so you know, my, my shit's just kind of hardwired for it because of the, the history of Pepe in the space. And um, also, I, I think it's a, I, I think it's kind of cool to 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 make artwork and not have to like send it anywhere. It's not there's nothing physical about it. So so that there is something kind of psychedelic about or dreamlike about like creating something that isn't a thing, but being able to say it's a thing. And I don't know, it's all very weird. Hmm. Yeah, the technology of and, and where it's gone with that, it, it is interesting. I, I, my first reaction. Um, was confusion <laughs> and then uh but once i grasped it it's it's a great way for you as an artist so you know say you sell a painting to someone a physical painting and then they sell it to someone they're in they sell it for more they're making all the profit as to where if someone sells an nft of yours and then that person sells it you can still continue to make money off the art yeah. that's continually being sold. Yeah, yeah, the royalty thing. Well, you got to be careful with that because like, so we're still at the, it's it's kind of the wild west right now. So there, there is all these platforms. You have like OpenSea, which is basically the big marketplace. And then, you know, you have all these other different kinds of companies that they create their own smart contracts. And, you know, you got to make sure that your royalty thing is hardwired in there. So I think, you know, what I did with my project was I just worked with my cousin Frankie and, you know, he was really... I really trusted him and, you know, have a lot of fun working with him. And, and he created our own interface, our own marketplace, our own smart contract that had the royalty thing hardwired into it. So he, you know, it was very much a, a DIY operation and um, you can't just go into it saying you're going to get these royalties, but you got to kind of do your research and make sure that because everybody will take advantage of you or, you, you know, you just really have to take advantage of, or, or take responsibility for making sure that that is the case. If you do dive into this world, um, it's also, it's a paranoid world because, you know, hackers can come in and take all your crypto and do all this stuff. There's, there's a lot of like baggage <laughs> to it too, but um, I, it's kind of fun if you just treat it like a game, just it's the same as life, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's, it's, and it's, a, there's also, everyone can see, how much you're you're making essentially yeah. from that right like it's 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 out there like yeah wasn't one of them was sold sold for a million dollars uh yeah yeah that yeah yep the, the first uh yeah a collector um uh an anonymous collector that i i think it's 4156 and i i know him only i, I did speak to him once in a uh 
in a uh, metaverse art gallery space. <laughs> uh, um, but um, but yeah, he you know he's a really smart guy and, and he was very supportive. And it was almost a joke. It was almost like it was art. His purchasing of that piece was almost art in and of itself because he just at the end of you know he got in a, a bidding war with somebody and then he threw down 420 ethereum for it which at the time was about a million bucks and it was it was kind of a you know he put an extra like i don't know whatever it was two hundred thousand dollars or whatever just to make that joke of 420 <laughs> when he bought it so uh <laughs> oh so, wow but but it's cool because you know it's ethereum so it's like these guys that are kind of early adopters to this technology um kind of have just a shit toad of sh shit ton <laughs> of uh of crypto to be able to um you know, express themselves <laughs> by collecting this stuff. So I don't know. It's it's weird. I I like shit toad. I think I see a new character. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For you. Oh god. I know Ayana. Ayana's in here. She heard me say shit toad too. She's over here snickering. So very funny. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I, what are, what are you kind of, we kind of have to wrap it up soon, but uh, what are you kind of working on now at this time? Well, uh, got some top secret projects oh. going right now that I don't okay. think, I don't think we've made announcements yet, but, uh, but like I said, I've got that, um, I've got that book is going to come out again. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say it, but for the moment I've gone digital boy. So I'm, I'm sitting here actually drawing on my, my procreate. And I'm trying to like figure out how to do my colored pencil technique on the Procreate. And, and it actually works pretty well, like using the layers and, and the different pencils. They, it really looks like marker and watercolor and colored pencils. So the technology is here. So I'm just kind of teaching myself um, how to draw on the iPad. And uh, it's kind of fun because it, all the supplies are just under one roof. And I don't know, there's something kind of zen about it, just having everything just all on a pad. I don't know, maybe I'm selling out, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, when, when people want to look up your NFTs, cause you, you have a, like a series of, of Pepe, like Pog, pe like I think you're called pegs. Am I correct? Yeah. Pegs. Or is that still, yeah. So is that still something that you, you're constantly uh, releasing and putting out more of that people can go and purchase now? Well, we're working on a new project now. So, so pegs, you know, a lot of this marketplace has to do with digital scarcity. So pegs itself was, was basically 103 collectibles. And yeah, it was kind of like inspired by pogs, <laughs> digital pogs, you know, um, uh, Ayanna makes the joke. She's like, well, not many people can say they sell digital pogs to rich guys, but, um, but that was my job for a while, which is some, some, <laughs> you know whatever <laughs> but uh but you know it's just kind of a joke too just using like i thought i thought pogs was a good metaphor for this place too because I, I had just started you know i was trying to figure out a, a fun collectible way to do my art on there and i thought pogs would be good because like when i was a kid like pog, or maybe it was more like when my brother was a kid pogs 
got really huge and then they disappeared, you know, and then also they were got banned because like some of it, because, because they compared gambling. it. Yeah. They compared it to like um, yeah. schoolyard gambling. So kids weren't allowed to bring it. Yeah. So, so like, uh, I think that there is a degree of gambling involved with this space because there's like, um, because Ethereum itself is constantly fluctuating. It's like this really kind of crazy thing yeah. that that's, you know, you got to ride the wave of that. It's always going way up and down, but then also um, the, the way that the marketplace is set up, it's like, bids so it's like people are bidding against each other so it's almost like th that kind of uh, maybe preys upon people's more uh you know gambling impulses than than maybe some some other way to sell it would be but but bidding has always been a part of the art world or it you know it's part of ebay and stuff like that it's just mm -hmm. it's just capitalism so so I try not to get too hung up on that. Like I, I hope I'm not exploiting the um, my collectors, but but I also think that they they enjoy it too. They, you know, hopefully they're only playing with money that they can um, stand to lose. You know. Sure. Yeah. I think it's always a tricky part, right? Because it's like you don't know who's buying it on the other end, right? Or at least normally you don't. Well, especially when the, when I only know them as a cartoon ape or something you know <laughs> or like yeah. a, like, a, like, <laughs> yeah, a, like, like a penguin or something it's like i don't i, I don't even do i not know their their name is a number and then their their face is a cartoon character so in some ways like i'm kind of fulfilling my my this is the 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 crescendo of my my whole existence is that you know all my all my friends are cartoon characters that are just giving me a ton of money for my cartoon characters so like in a way i'm like i'm living my best life or something you know yeah I mean, you went from selling a zine at ape to selling a digital pog to a penguin. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so I've, I've, yeah, I've got, it's like uh, there and back again. Um, we, we, <laughs> for the idea of pogs real quick, I'm, I'm just, I feel like you're ahead of the game because um, what I'm noticing now is pogs are coming back hardcore, man. Oh, coming are back they? Hardcore. They're coming back. Yeah. Yeah, there's a That's there's cool. a brand that I follow called Limited Run, and they're pretty popular. Yeah, and they usually make limited run type like video games. Oh, but cool. now with they're kind of they're kind of dipping their toes in making limited run pogs. Oh, cool. <laughs> pogs are back. Uh, so well, you wait around the long enough. Back, you know, man. The, yeah, the fads come back. So. Yeah, man. Gonna, cool. The kids are in trouble for uh, gambling again. I know. I got I got busted for gambling for that. So don't worry. I get yeah. it. <laughs> I don't know. It's probably just like you know all the old folks will be into it again or something <laughs> yeah i think i hear it's it's really trending in retirement <laughs> yeah. so, yes uh, yes everybody's yeah. got their pogs out there <laughs> yeah yeah you got the shuffleboard you got your bridge club you got your pogs club uh, uh, I, I would join that elderly pod club any day. Yeah. That just sounds like a fun time yeah. <laughs> that would be fun <laughs> just oh, bring, your, bring your best slammer to the, <laughs> your best to the ice cream social yeah that's, I, oh, I love it. I love it. Um, go ahead, Mike. I mean, I was just remembering my my favorite slammer had a hologram in it. So, oh, yeah. You know, that, Hell yeah. That was fun. Oh, my goodness. Um, but, uh, Matt, before you kind of uh, say goodbye here, is there a way for our audience to kind of connect with you or, or and on any social media at all? Well, I might I spend a lot of my time on crypto Twitter these days. So uh, you can find me at it's just Matt underscore Fury on Twitter. Um, but really just hit me up through my website, mattfury.com. Uh, and my email is mattfury at hotmail.com. So I got an email link just just on my on my website. And I check that regularly. And I think you guys just sent me the Zoom link to that. So uh, here we are. 
Long live Hotmail. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> long live, that's a t-shirt too. Long live Hotmail. I've got, I love I've it. got my Hotmail still rocking. Hey, Matt, so we saw the movie at the Roxy in uh, San Francisco for a, for a show. Where can people see the movie now? Like if they're not there. I think, yeah, it's still, I don't think it's streaming anywhere. I think you just got to rent it. You can rent it on like Amazon or Apple or any of that. It was on PBS for a while, but I'm not sure if it's still on there. It, it might be on there if like you subscribe to PBS um, or BBC. But uh, yeah, I think the easiest way to see it is just Amazon or Apple. Or I think they get more money from Apple. I think that's the vibe, but I don't really quite remember. Okay. 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 Well, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time and chatting with us. I, it's been an absolute pleasure and and uh, quite the dream, if you will. Uh, your voice is very dreamlike and I feel like I've been, floating, I've been floating on a cloud this entire time. So thank you. Well, that's great. I really enjoyed talking with you guys. It was a lot of fun. So um, thanks for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. Sure. Thank you. Uh, take care, uh, Matt, and we'll talk to you soon one day. All right. Namaste. Uh, namaste. Namaste.